Welcome to episode 38 of the False Neutral Podcast. I'm Pete. With me, Garrett and Eric are here. And this week, we're going to be talking about new bikes again, because there's been another big <laughs> show kicking off the 2007 model year season. Yeah, how are you guys? It's been a little while since the three of us have been together again. Yes. Hopefully, we won't have bandwidth problems tonight. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about that earlier today. The last time we recorded, it was on election night, and I'm guessing that the internets were just completely flooded. I didn't think about that. Yeah, because it was really interesting that uh, the night before the election, we went out to our local election bureau website to get a sample ballot for our precinct. Yeah. And uh, they were overloaded. And I don't know if that speaks well of how informed our electorate wanted to be locally or how bad their website was so yeah well i don't think it was just them because boy i'll tell you there's just some internet problems all over the place and it was kind of weird because i could hear eric does fine but i couldn't really hear our guest on that episode and so it was just kind of a weird internet thing (laughs) i'm sorry i couldn't be there ty seems like a really neat guy i went out to soundcloud and listened to a bunch of his uh music I thought he spoke really, really eloquently about the similarities between motorcycles and music and stuff. I'm I'm disappointed sure. that I wasn't able to talk to him because he was definitely very cool. Yeah, and unfortunately, I just kind of had to be a silent observer because I felt like every time I opened my mouth, there is a huge delay from what he heard. And so he would start talking while I'm still like asking a question. And so just this weird overlap and it wasn't working. Well, I but. had to try and take his feed and Eric's feed we actually had three different files, one that was him, one that was his recording of you guys, and then Eric's recording of everybody, and try to piece together something that didn't sound too horrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it all worked out. Yeah. So, well, maybe we'll have Monaghan, because you couldn't really talk yeah. to him, and I wasn't there to talk to him. And uh, I think yeah. that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he probably wouldn't have a problem with that either. Yeah. And. I've seen him a bunch of times watching the the motorcycle.com videos and I never put it together until after I listened to the recording I'm like, "Oh yeah, that guy." Okay. Yeah. Well, and it's kind of cool how he just kind of came into the whole motorcycle.com uh group just riding in the canyons and kind of came across him a few times and they're like, "Hey, do you want to come test some motorcycles with us?" That's what so. we call an official hanger arounder. Yeah, but, and I feel like that kind of summarizes how I made it onto this show. <laughs> I was just a hanger-arounder of Universe. No, like, we're oh, all you just hanger-arounders. I want to be famous. <laughs> okay, well, we need to talk about E-I-C-M-A, which I can never remember the order of those letters. I'm always like, E-C-I-M, what? Yeah. I don't even know what it stands for. It's something in Italian, isn't it? I honestly don't know what it's European for International something motorcycle something. <laughs> in other <laughs> words, no, none of us know. Yeah. Oh, all I know is that oh, it's no, in no. Italy and it's big. Yes. And they introduced yeah. all kinds of new stuff, most of which I thought were 
at least as exciting as what they introduced at Intermot. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like the some of the more important things were introduced at Intermot, but there's some really neat things that were introduced at ICMA too. So, um, I'll just say more of things I would legitimately be interested in personally came from yeah. this show. I feel like some of these things too were introduced before ICMA, but maybe not officially until ICMA. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I feel like the, the Ducati Superleggera, there are some rumors about it a, a number of weeks ago before right. it was officially unveiled here. But, um, and then same with a few other models, like all of the little mini adventure bikes and things like that. Yeah. The 310 GS we had talked about that had already broken early with some spy shots. Yeah. Uh, I I was really really impressed with the the Versus X three hundred. Yeah. Uh, now they've already announced that for the U.S. and it's going to be fifty three ninety nine, fifty four hundred dollars, and a three hundred dollar add on fee for ABS if you want the ABS version. So it's not going to be cheap. Do you think it's going to sell for that price? Here, no, I don't think so. It's just such a small bike, especially when it's heavy anyways. And, you know, in America, uh, I feel like people just want bigger, more powerful, more capable bikes. And I don't know if this is really going to do anything here. I think people are going to look at that and say, well, I can buy a versus 650 for not a whole lot more. Why would I want the little engine? Yeah. But I think it could be really cool as more of an urban commuter, which... I'm kind of surprised that this one has wire spoke wheels and the larger verses have <laughs> yeah. cast wheels. It's, it's. Yeah. Maybe the spoked ones are just cheaper to make and they're trying to keep the cost down. Either that or more, gonna, more of like a off road benefit. Either that or they're going to do what Suzuki has done and come up with a versus X version with wire spokes for all three displacements. So yeah, that, that may happen. And I do know that the, R3 and all of the other 300cc kind of sport bikey type things have become pretty popular over here. So perhaps the adventure ones will follow suit and also be quite popular. I can see where if you really did want to take it off road on some trails, the 300 would be a whole lot less top heavy and difficult to handle than the 650. For sure. Yep, yep, yep. So what else came out at ECMA? Uh, well, the other little Adventure bike is a CRF250L Rally. Right. Which is a, as far as I can tell, it's a CRF250 with different bodywork. It's got a fairing yes. and a belly pan on it. And that's the only difference that I can tell unless the suspension rates are different or something like that. Yeah. Um, I would like it a whole lot more if it were just a little. So if they took like the 450X motor and put it in it, um, I think it would be so much better because currently even the 250L is just so underpowered. It must be, especially in that platform um, with a little bit more weight to it, it must be incredibly underwhelming, I would think. Uh, A lot of these under, say, under 400cc bikes, though, aren't really so much for our market. I think that's a bonus if they can sell any here. But it really is for European, not only European tiered licensing, but then also um, <clears throat> Southeast Asia, um, yeah, like Indonesia uh, and that and that uh, 
that area, which is a ridiculously huge bike market right now. So, yeah. Um, if it does come to America, like the 250L is here, um, it, I think if they just put a little bit bigger motor in it, it would probably help sales over here. Uh, but I'm not sure. Is that one going to be for sale in the U.S.? As far the, as I know, adventure? I believe they've announced that for the U.S. I may be mistaken on that. I did go out today and look at the Versus X300 because I was curious about the price, and they do have it on their website with the MSRP listed, so that one's definitely coming. Yeah. Uh, and yes, because I think I put it in Slack uh, because I got the press release for it, and that came from American Honda. So. Oh, that's yeah. right, yeah. So, yeah, that's why I'm pretty confident. Um, it, they will be selling that one here. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, um, it'll be interesting I, to see how it does. I love the styling. Um, if I could have, like, a Dakar-looking 450-powered adventure bike, I would be so excited to see something like that. But the 250 just, ah, so boring. Uh, speaking of off-road Ducati Scrambler Desert Sled, a scrambler that's actually intended to be more of a scrambler. Uh, higher seat height, longer suspension, uh, evidently the, some higher higher com- quality suspension components. I think it's really cool. The The proportions on it are a little off for me, at least in the, the picture that I see. Um, it's very monkey bike looking to me. Yeah, it's it's got it a little bit of a daddy long legs looking. look to it. But that I think that's a styling thing because we'll talk about it. If we go down, if you um, if you take a look at what KTM's doing, like with their the twelve ninety Super Duke R, the seven ninety Duke Concept, the three ninety Duke Concept, um, they all are kind of going for that weird front end look now, uh, where like the the late the Fork tubes seem to be extra long, and then there's sort of a insect-style insect, insect style kind of praying mantis look to it. Yeah, um, the Ducati uh, Desert Side, I like it more than the scramblers that they've done here pretty recently. Um, the proportions aren't too terrible to get used to, and it is certainly much more capable uh, than they mm-hmm. have been in the past, but... Um, you are right. Some of the other European bikes, uh, like KTM's Austrian ones do, they seem to be just getting a little bit more futuristic and it's not just the Austrian bikes. It's also in the Japanese bikes too. Like the FC09 has gone towards that FC10 styling, which is just a little bit kind of insecty. Well, I'm not sure how insecty this is because it doesn't have the adventure bike beak. It's got a regular front fender on it and a round headlight. I'm not sure. Well, the the Ducati not so much. I mean, more the um, it, more more the KTM's. But there are um, where was that other one I was looking at? Sorry, I'm scrambling. I'm going through some stuff here quickly, trying to go quickly. But uh, anyways, <laughs> I was pretty excited to see the 790 Duke concept. That thing sounded wicked. It did sound wicked, and I like the idea of the parallel twin motor in it too. And it looks pretty neat. And I think that it's a good, uh, it's a good motor to have for the average rider, right? It's not just stupid powerful. So that motor, that motor, which I know we'll see eventually, 
in, you know, as the 790 slash 800 adventure bike from KTM coming, you know, 18 months mm-hmm. from now, I think that'll be like a really nice sweet spot yeah. if you're talking ADV bikes. Yeah. And I wonder if they'll end up uh, just kind of removing the, what are they onto now? I think it's still a 990. I wonder if we'll just remove that motor from the lineup altogether because it's a parallel twin also. Yeah, they've got, is there, well, there's the 1090 and the 1090 and 1190 or the 1190 and the 1290. It's so hard to keep track of all of their (laughs) motors. (laughs) So I don't know, but I am pretty excited about the 790 concept. So. And that is only a concept. We don't know if that's going to go into production. It will. I, I, I'm, I'm certain I, it will. I, I, I would bet that that's about a 85% production ready motorcycle right there. Yeah. The, the tail, the tail, the tail will uh, change up a little bit. Um, there'll be some other refinements to it, but that's that's probably 85% of what you'll see in the showroom. Well, I was reading somewhere this week. I want to say. Ride Apart or uh, Motorcycle.com. I forget. One of the many different motorcycle blogs out there, and somebody was commenting on uh, the some of the Honda concepts and said, that's the difference. Uh, Honda makes a concept and then doesn't build it. If this was a KTM or a Husqvarna, they'd already be putting it into production. Yeah, well, that's... KTM is just a motorcycle company, and I feel like they've historically have always been better about um, building a motorcycle that more closely resembles their concept bikes. But also, they don't sell cars and generators and chainsaws and everything else. So I feel like their corporate structure is such that it probably facilitates building some of these creations a lot better than it would if it were, you know, some mega conglomerate. <laughs> Speaking of Honda Concepts, um, I don't think I put it in the notes, but uh, over on Motorcycle.com and I'm sure a few other places, uh, the CB1100TR concept is... Oh, yes. That th- that's like... I-, I can't decide if that's late 70s, early 80s superbike or flat track or a combination of both. <laughs> yeah, I think it kind of has... it. It's deliberately playing off of... A uh, several different uh, genres, all of which Honda was really good at in that period. So it's it's it it, it reminds me a little bit of what was it the ZXR eleven and twelve hundred uh, Eddie Lawson replica Kawasaki's from early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands. I mean, it reminds me of a Kawasaki Zephyr from the early nineties. It reminds uh. <laughs> it reminds me a bit of some of the stuff that uh, Cobra Exhaust was doing with some of their Honda concepts, where they did the uh, I think they took a shadow motor and turned it into a flat tracker. And if you kind of took that bike and put it in a blender with a with a CB750F super bike that Freddie Spencer or Steve Wise or somebody would have been riding, and mix those up in a blender, those two things would have come out looking something like this. After I just pulled the story up here really quick on it, there's two things that uh, I didn't think about, and then as soon as I saw something, smacked me in the face. Um, one, this was done by Honda R&D of Rome. It's, ah. a, it's Italian, and the number on it is 58, which is the late Marco Simoncelli, who was a Honda rider from you know from mm-hmm. Italy, actually just up the street from Valentino Rossi. Uh, and they're saying it's envisioned as the king of the urban flat track circuit, so it, it is more 
um, dirt track styled. Um, but yeah, as soon as I saw the 58 in it on this close-up shot, I'm like, oh, Simoncelli, yes. So this reminds me of the Indian flat track bike. And we were talking about whether or not they would produce something like the Indian. Do you think that there's any chance that something like this will actually get produced? I would say there's a reasonable chance of it only because uh, you could probably part spin most of the stuff out of it. Yeah. Uh, the frame would be probably unique. Um, but I mean, that's standard Olin's, you know, twin, right. twin rear shocks. Um, you know, they'll pull the forks off of whatever CBR 1000 double R or something like that. The engines, you know, air cooled 1100. CC engine. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they got one of those floating around still somewhere. So, yeah. uh, that could easily be parts been together and, you know, and engineered in six months. Yeah. And the things that I think for the average person looking at it, what we think is difficult, which is the look, you know, the, the tank, the side covers, the seat, the, even the exhaust, that's simple for a builder. You know, that's simple for the manufacturer. It's mm-hmm. the biggest visual difference. They can come up with a different tank without any big R&D costs. Yeah. It's interesting that Honda has their regional companies doing their concepts for them. They're not all coming out of Japan because a couple years ago there was a concept bike came out of Honda India that was really cool, kind of along the same line. It was kind of a racy, upright, naked kind of thing, which was the the Honda CX-01 uh, CRF 250 motor in kind of a flat track inspired, very angular street standard. And, uh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was not quite an adventure bike, but had a bit of that same vibe to it. And I really liked that one. And again, that was one that did not come out of Japan. That was one of their, uh, distributor companies that, that came up with it. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Urban, that's very urban commuter looking, which would be perfect for India. All right, Pete. You're, we're, we'll uh, we'll go to you on the names of this one. The new, the two Husqvarnas, the Vitplian and the what's the other one? Svartplin. Svartplin. Svartplin and Vitplin. Yeah. These got a little bit less flash to them. They got a little bit thicker through the midsections. They don't have some of the cool little bits on them, but for the basic body shape to stay the same i think is a is a is a big win for them i think that's a really neat bike from a couple of other forums that i uh, active on on the internet nobody has mixed feelings about this either you think it's really cool and you like it or you think it's just the ugliest thing that's come down the pike since i don't know the amazonas (laughs) (laughs) this um this 401 Arrow concept, I kind of dig because it is so 1977. It's just, uh, it's pretty crazy. And it actually reminds me a little bit of Eric Buell's original concept bike that he raced at Daytona for Battle of the Twins, um, which I'll have to find a picture of that for you, Pete. Um, just the front end. It, it's yeah. not quite, a, it, it's not as arrow roundy arrow but it sort of has that that late 70s early 80s hey let's try this for arrow kind of idea it it looks to me like the front fairing 
melted a little bit and drooped after they installed it on the bike. You know, it, it should be up about 10 degrees and it just kind of drooped over. But, uh, I, I do like it. I like the fact that it's got the, the side blades attached to where the tank goes out on the stock one. It's kind of a, a neat, innovative idea. And I like the, the fact that it's got like a radiator and belly pan shroud around the, the engine, but it's totally separate from the actual fairing. So it looks kind of, and it's a different contrasting color or finish to it so that it kind of looks like a half fared, you know, like an older Ducati SS classic. And mm-hmm. at the same time, it's almost a fully fared sport bike. They just have that little separation between the two components. Um, I, th- I think that's cool. I, I'm not sure I like it as much if I was going to buy something. I don't think I would buy this over the standard Vitplian 401. I know some people were disappointed they didn't see the 701 versions, but I got to give them credit. They've, they've done some creative stuff. I, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> which says a lot for me because I'm, tend to be a little picky on stuff like that when you're, but I more and more, I like it. Even if I don't care for it, I like that they took the risk. And, and as you said, they're making a statement where you're either going to like it or you're not. And more and more, I prefer that rather than, eh, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. No, make a statement, have an opinion. We've seen so many copycat cruisers and cookie cutter sport bikes over the years that anybody who's going to do something really different and try to shake it up and be original is going to get at least a polite golf clap from me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, at least it's not just a different name put on something that's the same as everything else. Like, I don't know, I feel like Triumph has done a lot lately, but kudos to them for doing something different. When I first see the arrow, it, it, it strikes me as being somewhat ugly, but the more that I look at it, especially from the rear view, it, it does actually look pretty nice. I think that it's well done for what it is. I have to say more than anything else, it reminds me of the turbo cycles from the original Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. 1980 TV show. Yep. A little Never bit of that. Seen it. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that I kind of like that. <laughs> um, Battlestar 1980, and it's either on Netflix or Amazon. I can't remember which one. I think it's on Amazon, not at Netflix. I remember that show being on as a kid, so I know exactly what Pete's talking about. Not me. You lost me. I will upload a picture for Garrett. Oh, good. Hoping you would say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Garrett, speaking of uh, another version of a copy bike, and, and you mentioned Triumph. Well, they did have another one. I and know. and It, it was just... the Street Scrambler. Looks exactly the same as every other thing they've ever built in the past five years. From I don't I think I think it's just the color combination in this press photo for the um, for the street scrambler, but the combination of sort of the OD green with some off-colored stainless steel or heat-colored stainless steel, the black frame and the wire wheels, just that color combination works for me. So that I don't I I kind of like it. I'm not, I've never been big on the Gator fork front thing. I'd rather see some like 
big tube forks on that, which I know doesn't quite really go to vintage scrambler look, but I'll take a modern thing. But the fact that it's got the, the modern motor and stuff and it makes a, will make a big difference. So matte khaki green is what they're calling it. I called it OD green close enough. Same, same difference. Uh, you know, that's, that's how you got to do it when you're a small company. You got to take one, one frame and one engine and have 18 different variations of it and, uh, try to fill every possible niche, Just either have real a really or imagined that there department. is. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The new bobber, which was not revealed at this show, but I don't think we've talked about it yet. I did not like it at first. But uh, little by little, it has really grown on me. They're going to have a traveling road show introducing people to it around the uh, around the country. And they're going to be in Kansas City shortly after the first of the year. And I've already signed up for their little evening introduction schmooze the public event. So uh, I'm interested to go look at it and see it. But I kind of really like it. And I'm surprised at myself. Aprilia came out with uh, refreshed two older bikes, uh, the Dosa the Duro and the Shiver, which uh, for them uh, they've updated the electronics um, and stuff with it. But it's more that they went from the 750 to a 900 V twin in both of them. So uh, one is more of a supermoto bike, the other is more of a kind of a just a naked standard style machine. So, uh, reaction in the Aprilia forum that I frequent was nice update. Wish yeah. it would have lost some weight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Cause they had the, the, at least the Dosaduro, they had the 1200, which I know the reaction to that for the most part was it wasn't as much fun as the 750 just because it was so much more butt to haul around. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Um, if you have one, they're worth a little money because they didn't sell in big numbers. Though I'm speaking of the 1200, the 750s are kind of common and very affordable if you want to buy a used one. The Shiver unusually is about 75, 70, anywhere from 50 to 75 pounds heavier than it probably should be because I think it's, I think it approaches almost 500 pounds. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a bit dense. Which is unfortunate because that bike at about 425 pounds, either of them would be an absolute riot. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, and, and power's about right. It's 95 at the crank and 64 foot pounds of torque. Put that in a, in a lighter weight machine and that's just about perfect for whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, what other bikes have we, uh, not covered that we should have? Uh, the Monster Moto Guzzi. 797 and 1200. And the Supersport. Have we, co- did we cover that last time? I the think Ducati? that was. Yeah, the Ducati Supersport. Yeah, we the, talked about that last time. Yeah, we last talked time about we that. Talk, but yeah, that um, same so. motor is in the Monster 797, which is yeah. the most attractive monster for me in a long time. Uh, you know. Air gold blue valve. To me, so, it's kind of what a monster should be. Yeah, I think that I would rather have the, what's the big motor? The 1200 is the biggest. Yeah, which is the essentially the 1199 superbike right. motor in that would be to me like a 1200, a thousand cc 1200 air cooled four valve at about 100 horsepower, 110 horsepower, and a lot of torque. That to me is about perfect. This one would be close, 75 horsepower, 50 foot pounds of torque. 
yeah, okay, you know, yeah. it's in the ballpark. Um, or if they're going to do that, just make it a four valve versus a two valve. Although I know it's a cost issue because um, I know they're trying to. It's still priced at ninety three hundred dollars though, so it's not like it's well, it's cheap for a Ducati. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I still am not getting on board with the monsters. The 1200 is the closest that I've been uh, just for the engine that it is. But I would rather have worse looks in the 1200 engine than perhaps a little bit better styling in the smaller motor for me. But uh, I am excited. I don't even know if it'll be relevant, but maybe of the R6 using the three-cylinder motor. Mm -hmm. I, I think that that would bring a lot of interest to the 600cc class. Perhaps uh, maybe a little bit more low-end power out of his 600cc motor. Uh, I just, from riding around my friend's FC09 that he just got, um, I've really fallen in love with that cross-plane three-cylinder motor. And a derivative of that put in the R6, I think, could be a really interesting motorcycle. From a racing a mark racing marketing standpoint or at least trying to get people interested um in an era where especially in the 600 the super sport bikes everything's tends to be inline four it kind of they all sound pretty close to the same they all look the same if you gotta look the same at least it'll sound different um which the we we've talked about multiple times the audio component of motorcycles is a lot of what draws us to it. And, and the, having that different sound would certainly um, make it stand out more. Yeah. And, and I can tell that the, the FC09, especially with an exhaust on it, my friend put a Yoshimura carbon exhaust on his and the three cylinder crossplane motor sounds so exotic, especially for the FC09 is, is kind of a budget bike, but the sound that it makes I think rivals some of the most exotic motorcycles, you know, Prelia or, or Ducati or, or anything like that. It sounds absolutely incredible. Um, and so to hear a sound like that, uh, you know, in a smaller bike is kind of like uh, the Triumph, how it would, it does sound, but the crossplane crankshaft motors just sound so exotic. And uh, it's possible they could shed at least a few pounds by using the three cylinder motor, which might, kind of give it a competitive advantage but i am the the 600 cc class of motorcycle has just kind of been stagnant really performance wise mm -hmm. there hasn't there's not really a lot of differentiation between manufacturers and so it would be cool if they did something different just shake it up yeah. a little bit the um i mean for what we'll show next year what they'll be racing next year is still going to be the inline four but mm -hmm. i agreed going forward that yeah if they went to a triple i think that would be i think that would be better i really yeah. do they they haven't made any any announcements that they're planning for production to go to a three cylinder, no six hundred super sport have they? Nope. Lots not, not of rumors. Yeah, I mean lots of rumors over the last couple of years, um, but nothing definite. But I, it might not. It might be one of those things that's right on the back burner, and if they don't have the results from this one that they they want, they could um, swing that pretty quick. I would yeah. think. Yeah. So we'll see. The Moto Guzzi V7 III is a minor update 
but a really clean one, especially the, mm-hmm. the is it the special classic which the the chrome gas tank one with the kind of brown leather saddle no saddle leather one. I think it's I think it's the special seven three the special is the one that that has wire wheels, a very conventional tank and side cover look to it. It's just a bunch of little tiny minor tweaks, but it now is all of a sudden what I think of as what I would want a Moto Guzzi to look like. <laughs> all the modern Guzzis have been just a little bit different than I would have had them do it. And this one, I look at it and I go, that's it. The side cover shape, the exhaust, it, it's, yeah. it nails it. Um, I kind of like the special anniversary edition one. Um, I'm a sucker for sort of baseball leather colored stuff and uh, the seat on that with the chrome tank and sort of the black side cover. Uh, you know, uh, that's cool. That in the V9 yeah. I could be interested in. I think the one thing that gets me is the practical application of a chrome tank. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's ridiculous. It's dumb. Well, it's as a rider, you got to make sure that you never have the sun in a particular location because... <laughs> I know. <laughs> Go blind. Yeah. And, and sunburned. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's cool in pictures. I would never, ever want that anniversary model just for the chrome tank. Agreed. Agreed. But yes, I uh, do like, I like the seat on it. I like that. I, I guess it's like a, an oxblood leather. Yeah. So Garrett, you were talking about sort of a Dakar replica bike and that's yeah. Yamaha did one of those with that T7 concept. Oh, I that, didn't even see it. That's, it's pretty hot looking. I mean, it does look, it looks exactly like a, a late nineties, um, Dakar bike, except updated with some modern styling. Although again, the not sold completely on the headlight, what they did with the headlights, but it's, it's very hot looking. Yeah. So when I was building my supermoto, that was originally, <clears throat> I really wanted to get like the Dakar style fairing on it and just do, uh, an adventure bike with it and, and not do the 17 inch wheels, but I couldn't really find anything, but. I was thinking about how cool it would be to have a 450-style bike. Now, the T7, it looks like it's the Tenure, the 1,000cc motor. Uh, no, it's the uh, it's the FZ09 motor, or the FZ07 oh, okay. motor. Yeah, yeah, Even FZ07. better. Yeah. Even better, because it's such a lively motor. Uh, but, yeah, so something that would be really, really neat. In fact, that would be... Um, just so much more interesting than the 300cc ones, especially the FC07 motor is just such a neat little platform motor. And to have the adventure styling on a bike like that that doesn't weigh too much, I think would be super fun. Yeah, so they say, they're saying it's a, it was um, inspired by the XT600Z Tenere um, from 30, 33 years ago. Wow. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's well, all right. So more yeah. 80s than 90s. But yeah, that's um, I don't know. I thought that was pretty hot looking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too futuristic, Pete? Well, I've never been able to get into the Dakar fairings that just look like you you've strapped a piece of plywood to the front of your bike. Those super vertical, almost no sweep back to them windscreens that are way out in front to me just looks so awkward it's like a pretty girl who's got braces in her teeth it's like that's all i can see because you're too busy looking at the the big thing up front 
Uh, are there any other bikes from this latest show uh, uh, whose name I can remember, remember the EIEIO show um, <laughs> that you guys want to make sure we talk about? Um, Buell. Oh, that's not from there, but yeah, the, the, the new 2017 Buell, which sounds just like every other Buell, slightly tweaked with a lower seat height and all other yeah. kinds of technological advances, like yeah. a lower the black seat black lightning. <laughs> like lower seat height and everything that you can do without any investor money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> um, no, I thought that they did unveil that. At- no, it's going to be at Long Beach this weekend. Oh, that's where I saw it. But they've already um, leaked it, so... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just like the 1190RX, but a little lower. And that's it. And, <laughs> and it's black. Sa- and sales will be just like it, but a little lower. <laughs> yeah. You'll be able to get it really cheap next year. <laughs> so. One one that we did not talk about was the V-Strom 250. You know, the whole bunch of mini baby adventure bikes that are coming out the crf 250l rally the versus x 300 the 310 gs from bmw and there's also the v-strom 250 which is probably going to be the suckiest one of all of them yeah because yeah, it uses agree. the really really lame super gutless gw250 motor which nobody can stand and it's going to be heavy and probably have very little off-road capability and just be a taller version of their dog of a 250 street bike. Yeah, and this one, you can't even really call this a mini-adventure bike because it comes with street tires. It really, it's just like a really underpowered commuter bike. That's it. Yeah, so, so we've said all we need to about that. Sorry, Inter- more- interesting styling. One more, and Garrett, I don't know if this uh, gets around your your monster issues or styling issues, but uh, <laughs> my monster issues. Yeah, your monster uh, issues. The yes. ones under uh, my bed. Yes, exactly, uh, and they're not from Pixar either. No. Um, <laughs> this one, this one is, uh, you know, at least Pixar is well funded. This company, you never know if it's going to be around next week or not. But uh, uh, one that I missed was the MV Agusta Brutale 800 RR. So they're. 800 cc naked bike um but the interesting thing the thing that caught my eye on this one was 140 horsepower out of a 800 cc engine that seems (laughs) to almost defy the laws of physics yeah uh but well it only does it for six weeks so you know it, it, it all works its way out and with no dealer support exactly um no i really like the styling and if I, I wouldn't buy a Ducati uh, on most days because of a fear of reliability and things like that, I would certainly never buy an MV Agusta, you know, for the same reasons, but at a whole new magnitude. Um, but <laughs> I appreciate what they're doing. And I also supremely appreciate manufacturers that are able to achieve such incredible horsepower numbers from the displacement engines that they use. Um, so I can certainly appreciate that. So I, it deserves an honorable mention. We'll put it that way, but it's not nice, room in my garage. It's a nice fourth. It's a nice fourth bike. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I, I think I would 
maybe go for that Horex V6 before I would go for one of these. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're probably at a point we can wrap this up. I will see all you guys next week or the next time we talk. And you can give us any comments or feedback you'd like at thehooniverse.com. We have a post announcing our podcast every week, 7.30 Tuesday mornings on hooniverse.com. And Garrett, where else can they get a hold of us? Uh, find us on Twitter at the false neutral. And it's probably you guys that are doing more posting than me uh, on there. I am up to my neck in anatomy and physiology terms these days. But uh, at any rate, find us at, on Twitter and the Facebook uh, at the false neutral. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. And see everybody next week. Later. Later.